It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Last week, as we mentioned on the show, the government brought in free IVF treatment for certain sectors of society. As a couple of our callers said, it's a very expensive business. Cork woman Helen Brown once had to sell her car to fund her IVF and she joins us on the line right now. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm fine and I'm delighted to talk to you this Good. morning. How long ago is this? It's, 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 oh, do I really want to tell you? <laughs> if you like. <laughs> I was just going to say to you that it's obviously not recently, but it's, it's something no. that you still remember. Oh gosh, yes, I yeah. do indeed. Because it would have taken twelve, eight, it would have taken seven years out of ten years of our marriage, right? And I suppose for us that I knew that I could have difficulty conceiving because I had been diagnosed with a condition called endometriosis. Yeah. So, uh, so we kind of went on the journey. I went for investigations, and I had surgery. Uh, which wasn't successful, and then I had no choice but to go for IVF. So that really was about a year, year and a half, two years after we got married. So the journey took over our marriage. Do you know what I mean? It really mm-hmm. took over. Like, I was obsessed with it. I, I mean, I was, I, you know, all I wanted was to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. I come from a family of of the seven siblings and I'm used to kind of noise in the house and activity and all this. And I wanted to have that. I wanted to have three to four children. And, um, and like that now, when you're, when you're young, late twenties, early thirties, you just automatically presume that you're going to get pregnant. I knew that I would have difficulty, but I did think it would work after the first attempt Mm. and, uh, and it didn't. And that was absolutely devastating. But like that, now they had, they normally just treat you with the lower doses initially because they don't know how your body's going to respond to it. So it's kind of a learning curve for the first cycle. And then the second cycle, they had twerked my medication a bit and I was 100% sure it was going to work. I was so positive. Yeah. And the, 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 uh, re- the reason I asked you yeah. how long ago it was, Helen, is I'm just wondering how familiar you were with IVF. Was it as widely spoken about? And where was the. No. What? No. no. Right. Okay. No. 
know. I had nobody talk to speak to. I they were when I went, and you can do your calculation and your maths yourself, <laughs> <Okay>. Karen. <laughs> uh, there was only one clinic in Ireland, oh, right. and okay. that was the Harvey. And then soon after, then there was two clinics. But lo- there's loads of clinics now. But anyway, nobody spoke about it, and that's why after the second failed treatment, that's when I I rang the maternity hospitals around Ireland to ask them was there a support group I really needed to speak to somebody I I did go for counselling and I knew I said no this is not for me I really wanted to connect with other people who knew exactly what I was going through and there wasn't anything and that's when I decided to set up the group and we started in Cork initially and then and we had the 021 number and then um um, Michael Noonan was Minister of Health and he gave us the money and we had a 1890 number. Now that'll tell you how far back we're yeah. going. And Michael Noonan is the, yeah, he was the Minister for Health at that stage, wasn't he? At that time when he gave us some money for, to have a 1890 number oh, right. uh, so people could ring from around Ireland and be only local call yeah. and then all that went when the mobiles came but uh, so then we kind of became national because we were getting calls from Donegal from Kerry we were getting calls from the islands even you know people saying gosh going to mass and they're all we know that they're looking at us because we don't have children horrendous yeah. and uh, yeah like but now I suppose now and they didn't know what the IVF journey was about and they kind of didn't know what was ahead whereas now the clinics have educational days and you know you have um programs on television documentaries and it's in the media quite a bit now so it's not it's not as scary as um, it was years ago i remember vividly uh when i think it was louise brown became the first yes uh yes. woman to receive ivf treatment and it was i i, I never liked that expression remember the test tube baby expression that the, yeah, the tabloids yeah, used yeah, uh, yeah it was yeah. Such a revolution for, for for parents, but particularly for women, because um, the, the, there can be nothing more heartbreaking in many ways than to be told by a doctor you can't conceive that you can't have children. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 horrendous. It's kind of, you know, it's a it's a death of motherhood. It's a death yeah. of parenthood, parents, and even though like a lot of the focus is on the female, the males suffer big time as well. And uh, yeah, it is horrendous because I remember after finishing all my treatment because I was just so physically, mentally, emotionally and financially exhausted. Yeah. And I remember going to a council. I said, this is it. I have to go to a council to get kind of the tools and how to cope with when people say to me, oh, you don't have children or why don't you have children and all this. And the tools and how to fit into society that is very family orientated, the tools and how to cope with the fact of I will be missing out on all the milestones in life, like christening and Holy Communion and confirmation and, you know, weddings and oh, I, and grandchildren. I'd be missing out on all that in life, which is, and all my friends would be going through it and I wouldn't be going through it, which was pretty frightening. Yeah. And I remember when I went to him and um, I just said, do you know what? I really think I need Prozac. I'm just in a black hole and I just need a help to get out of it. I'm just so depressed. And he said, you're not depressed. And I just said to him, look at me. I'm a basket case. Mm. And he said, no, you're not. You're not depressed. He said, you're grieving. 
you are grieving the loss of motherhood. And that was the first time that the word grief was used. Wow. So, so accurate yeah. too, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that now, we would have had, uh, like with the um, the program about, at least with the uh, Stephen Donnelly, uh, with the um, paying for the treatment or covering the cost of IVF treatment, I think it is, like we've been fighting for this for years, uh, not fighting, but Nigos trying to ch- chatting to the all the ministers of health over the years, and we think this is absolutely wonderful. Is it enough? No, but it's a start. Yes, and he's willing to widen the parameters as time goes on. Next year they'll be kind of sitting down and chatting to it, and you know, like. We, infertility has been di- has been diagnosed as a disease by the World Health Organization. All diseases are covered, mm. either privately or through medical cards. So naturally, like we feel that people who have fertility issues, you know, should be able to get um, should be covered uh, for their treatment. And but is it? Sorry, Helen, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about the age restrictions where women over the age of 41, men over the age of 60, are they're yeah. exempted, they're, they're, they're not considered? Yeah. Well, I think that the most important thing is uh, there's a, a, a blood test that you can do on females, which is called the AMH. And the AMH will let you know the quality of the eggs. Mm-hmm. So people who are 41, 42, their AMH, yes, it does drop as you get older, but they, they can be women who are 41, 42, whose AMH would be okay to go for IVF treatment. So I think, you know, it's very, very, very difficult to kind of tick all the boxes. So this is the start. Yes, he may kind of look to see what the AMH is because, you know, when you get older, your egg quality uh, diminishes a little bit. And, you know, I know people who have begged clinics, begged them to do one cycle of IVF because they really felt that they was hoping the clinic's would have said we're only taking your money and they have begged them and they would have gone and they didn't become pregnant. And I would know people who would have had gone at 39, 40 years of age to for IVF treatment would have been successful and conceived naturally after that. So you never know. You you have a, a beautiful, optimistic way about you. I, you're filled with hope. I can hear it in your voice. And I, I, I can only imagine that comes from the years and years uh, of 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 working in this whole area, not just working, but based on your own experience. I'm thinking back mm. to how different society was back then when you started investigating IVF. Was mm. there anyone you had to talk to? Was there anyone well, you I think, uh, yeah, no, there, there really wasn't. But I do remember, I do remember um, the Catholic Church was against IVF treatment. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember that he couldn't even, like you, like, and I would have heard this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been the only person feeling this, but there would be other members that would say at meetings that you're nearly afraid to pray for success. And um, and I remember my mom had a very good friend who was a nun. And I remember speaking to her, God rest her soul. I remember speaking to her. And I remember saying this to her. And I remember also saying to her, I'm so angry against God. I said, I'm so 
angry when I read articles about how children are abused, neglected. I just get so angry. And she said, that's his job, Helen, be angry with him. Yeah. And she said, I can't see God, she said, ever, ever, ever denying anybody uh, to have children, however they're going to conceive it, you know. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful attitude. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. Mm. And I had to go to somebody who was religious at that time. I had to. And uh, no, she did. She saved me really. And she allowed me to get angry against God, which because I couldn't be angry against the clinics because they're trying their best. Mm. I couldn't be angry against anybody really. So I had to kind of vent out on somebody. And she said, go ahead. Yeah. Wow. What an extraordinary helped. woman. Yeah. Mm. Yes, she was. It's amazing. Helen, it's, it's been a joy to talk to you and thanks for joining us. I, I just want to say that you run the National Infertility Support and Information Group and your website is nisig.com. Nisig.com. No, yeah, NI, yeah. And NIS. the email is yeah. nisig.com mm-hmm. and the email is contact at nisig.com and the mobile number to contact 24-7 is, is me mm-hmm. and that's 08779. 75058. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And if I cannot take the call, I will always return it. You're a treasure, Helen. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Gareth. Take care. Thank you. What a wonderful woman. Um, God, I could talk to Helen Brown all day, that's for sure. That's Helen Brown. Uh, the National in, National Infertility Support and Information Group. The website is nisig.com and the email address is contact at nisig.com and the 24-7 helpline, which is Helen's phone number, wow. 87 And uh, on the podcast later, if you're listening back, we'll give you that number again. Evaluating whether a woman is eligible for a free round of IVF in a new state scheme based on her age and body mass index are, quote, rather crude cut-off criteria. Uh, That's according to Labour Senator Marie Sherlock, who joins me on the line right now. Good morning to you, Senator. 
Good morning to you, Gareth, and to all your listeners. Nice to talk to you. I, I'm just wondering, we've been talking an awful lot about this this week. There's a lot of anticipation. There's a, there's a lot of, of disagreeing, and there's a lot of, I suppose, a lot of criteria whether or not people are eligible that a lot of people are very confused and also very upset by. How do you feel about it? Well, I think the first thing to say is that those of us uh, who've been campaigning for many years, and I know that there are people as well waiting many years themselves personally for the introduction of publicly funded IBF, it is a really momentous occasion. It is really wonderful that we finally are going to have it in this country from this September. So I think, you know, to, to start on a very positive note, this is a really welcome breakthrough after many years of campaigning. And, and look, we accept that, you know, in designing any scheme that there will always be, you know, I, I suppose uh, issues to be teased out. But certainly to us, in terms of some of the criteria set down, I think we do have a concern. And, and in particular, relating to both weight or body mass index and age. Like, ultimately, if anybody's to walk into a private clinic in the morning, they're going to evaluate you on, on a whole of health assessment, as opposed to what I would consider to be two very crude measures. So you don't even get through the front door of the, the publicly funded IVF scheme based on your, you know, if you happen to be older, 41 or older, or your body mass index is is, is 30 plus. Well, so, so, yeah, and can I just say, I, this something I'm thinking here, um, a woman who is quite anxious about the whole prospect of, of being evaluated for IVF and having medical checkups, and to be told that you failed to be included based on your body mass index, that's almost an insult. Well, look, I think the thing is, there's, there's obviously... Um, the, the rate of success of getting pregnant, you know, depends on a vast number of factors. And, 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 and weight is, is a part of that, but it's not absolute, right? There are people who are, you know, um, considered to be clinically obese who get mm. pregnant, and there are people who have no weight issues at all who can't get pregnant. So I think this is the thing. There's no black and white or set rules here as to who can or cannot get pregnant. And, and it depends on a whole variety of factors. And, and in particular, when we look at the, some of the conditions associated with infertility, like PCOS, um, they are on average associated with uh, a higher BMI. Now, not in every circumstance, but they can often um, be associated with a higher BMI. So I think we need to look at, you know, why some, I think we need to be mindful of that when we look at BMI um, and why some people find themselves uh, dealing with infertility issues and why others do not. So, so that to me is why BMI and both age are crude, particularly when we look at the UK. Um, I, you know, I, my understanding there is that they consider women up to the age of 43. Mm. Um, and, and of course, in other countries, there's no age limit at all. The other important thing to say, of course, is that for, for women in particular, it's not the biological age that matters. It's actually your the age of your, uh, you know, your ovarian reserve. So you could have a woman who's 35 with an extremely low ovarian reserve or you could have a woman who's 45 with a very high ovarian reserve and again that all you know makes a big difference in terms of who can and cannot get pregnant or how easy or otherwise it is to get pregnant. I, I would have thought that age is is 
very important in the sense that um, many women who go forward hoping to become pregnant to become pregnant by IVF would be in their early to mid 40s possibly their later 40s and also in the sense that if a woman meets an older man perhaps second time round looking for love and looking for a marriage that will be successful and a, a marriage that will bring children to, to, to the, the, the home um, 60 is a very, very 60, 61 is still a very young age for a man yeah, well, I think the difference, uh, you know, the, the contrast is quite stark that the cutoff point for a woman is under 41 and for a man is 60. So I think that does need to be noted. Yeah. But the, the thing is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a medic, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert by any matter of means. Although, obviously, I, I think, you know, some of us know more about the whole sector relative to others because of our own personal experiences. And I think the thing is... Um, when it comes to infertility, that there are no hard and fast rules. Of course, there are probabilities associated with age, and, and there's no doubt that the older a woman is, uh, the probability does decline. But again, like that's looking at, you know, the average woman, and 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 and, and, and no one person meets the average. There's obviously a combination of factors across a range of women. That make up an average. So, so I think we just need to, you know, I suppose to me, um, you know, some of the uh, criteria could have been much more rounded, could have allowed a whole of health assessment, and indeed could have could have been, I suppose, it could have given more leeway with regards to age. And do you think it will be rolled out in September? Well, we're told by the minister that it will be September. It might not necessarily be the 1st of September, but it will definitely be September. And that is certainly to be welcomed. Now, I think it's important to say as well that this is going to be rolled out through private clinics to start with, and there'll be a public clinic next year. We've been critical of that in that we believe that the government should have got their act together. They've known yeah. for quite a period of time now that, you know, they, they were going to be rolling this out. So it should be rolled out through, you know, our publicly our public health system, as opposed to having to rely or the state having to pay private clinics um, to deliver this service. But look, you know, I look forward to a time where it'll be delivered within the public health service. Right. While I have you on, and I think you know what I'm about to ask you about, uh, this is in relation to the Oireachtas hearings and the, your investigation into the payments, the hidden payment scandal in RTE. Uh, RTE have told us that there has been a major drop in the number of people renewing and buying television licenses during the month of June. Are you surprised? Yeah, and I've seen those figures, and they are concerning. Um, and I think the message very much needs to go out that if people do value, you know, public service broadcasting, then you know, then we need to support that through our, our license fee. Um, we have said for the past number of weeks now that it's not good enough for the discussion on the license fee reform, um, or indeed the funding of RTE to be put put off until next year to, for the can to be kicked down the road. RT would be facing, uh, you know, a funding crisis this year like it did last year um, and indeed may be looking at a bigger crisis this year, a bigger deficit this year because of fall off in life. So it is absolutely vital that A, we have strong government messaging with regards to people paying their licence fee, but B, also that we actually um, ensure that there's a plan in place now for the reform of the collection of the licence fee. Because, you know, it's important to say 
there was a future media commission appointed um, three years three years ago now. It, it reported last year there were 50 recommendations and the government rejected one of those recommendations. It accepted 49, but it rejected one which is with regards to the financing or the funding of public service broadcasting. The, the expert group wanted to move to a a, a, a situation where the government would fund public service broadcasting directly, um, whereas the government have decided that they want to hold on to the licence fee. And if they have decided that, and we have to, you know, abide by that, then you know they need to actually put a plan in place for how we collect. Um, and and in particular, I think the RT crisis has done enormous damage to people's confidence, some people's confidence in public service broadcasting. So I think you know we we need to see a serious. And, and fairly immediate response from government as to how they're going to ensure that the 1,800 people working within RT going in day in, day out to you know provide a service to the highest standard that they're supported in their work this year. Now, the, the Oireachtas Investigation Committee, I think both PAC and the, the media group, um, I, I think it's PAC, they have said that they will sit again as soon as possible once they have received more information that they're looking for. Will this happen before... The Doyle resumes in in autumn. Will will the, the committee sit again during the summer? Yeah, I, I think it, a lot depends on what information is provided, and obviously we're still waiting for that Grant Thornton report. Um, I, I think the, both the PAC and the media committee have offered to sit during the summer. My own personal view is that I think any of us will certainly be there if a meeting is called. But I my my own sense at this stage is that it'll be early September by the time any meetings take place. And in some ways, it may be no harm because I think look. Our team needs to come back with a comprehensive set of answers. We haven't, you know, there's been so much of the he said, she said, um, which I think has been very frustrating to many of us. Um, so, you know, we, we need to ensure that whatever reporting is, is undertaken, that it is comprehensive in nature. And certainly if, it ha- if that happens to start September, then I'll be happy with that. And the new Director General, Kevin Backhurst, announced last week that his plan is to sell... The RTE Studios, the, the building that is housed in on Father Matthew Key. Now he wants to move to another location, which he hopes will be within the city boundary. How do you feel about that? Is this is he going to? Is this a possible hint that he might be he might be moving towards a situation which will make RTE Cork a smaller group? Well, I think it's really important. Uh, like uh, I, I think those who are outside of Dublin very much uh, appreciate. Um, just how important public service broadcasting is for, for you know, around the country, and of, and of course all the, all the regional radio stations as well. But I think it is absolutely vital that RT maintains its presence right across the country. So if there is a proposal, you know, or when we see that proposal to sell for the Matthew Key, the premises for the Matthew Key, then I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll need to see, you know, an operation of similar size or indeed bigger, um, you know, within within a, a similar location or within a, a decent location within, within Cork. Um, because I, I don't believe we can countenance or accept a scaling back of the operation out of Cork. Senator Marie Sherlock, thank you for joining us this morning. Courts 96 FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.